Welcome to the Grace Story Podcast, where inspiring stories are brought to life. This podcast is made possible by Grace College and Seminary, located on the shores of Winona Lake in the great state of Indiana. I'm your host, Dr. Drew Flam. This is the Grace Story Podcast. Today, our guest on the podcast is Coach Tom Roy. Tom is the founder and former president of Unlimited Potential, Inc. After playing professional baseball, God gave Tom a specific calling that birthed the ministry of UPI. He's been a voice in Major League Baseball for almost four decades. He's also been a high school and college baseball coach, including a few stints here at Grace College. Tom is a Grace alum, and he and his wife Karen live here in Winona Lake. Beyond coaching and serving Major League players through UPI, Coach Roy has also written six books, including his most recent book, Shepherd Coach. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm tired listening to all that. I can't believe I had the energy to do half of that. I had to cut it. In fact, I forgot to mention one part of your uh, bio, and that's your infamous Facebook posts. Yes. Um, and I follow you just because of your terrible dad jokes on Facebook. You know, if he's listening, there's a missionary in France that sends me most of those. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I, I think I may have told you, I used to put verses and I'd get five likes and I want to be liked. So I put jokes, I get 100 to 200 likes. So it's a beautiful <laughs> thing that tells you my priorities. There you go. <laughs> well, I do want to talk about the new book, Shepherd Coach. Um, but first, I think we need to give to- folks some context. Mm-hmm. Um, so Uh, Take us back a a few decades ago um, (laughs) when this vision for UPI was birthed and then how you actually went from a vision to putting it into practice. Sure. I was actually the head baseball coach here at Grace. As you mentioned, I had been here 70 to 73 as Chet Kammerer's pitching coach. And then Dr. Davis had me come and be the head coach from 80 to 83. And it was in that period of time. Uh, Our family was attending Pleasant View Bible Church, and they had a missions conference. And the theme was Reach the World. Uh, You know, nice missions theme, right? (laughs) And as I listened to the speakers, it seemed like the Holy Spirit was getting my attention. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard things like I had to go to language school for a year. And the Holy Spirit was saying, you know, the language of professional baseball Okay. And then it was like, well, you've got to do cultural school, you know, the culture. And it was in that context that uh, I had this idea to reach back into the locker rooms and share Jesus, which 40 years ago, there wasn't a whole lot of that going on. But then to use their platform to do baseball clinics in major league cities on Saturday mornings and uh, bring the major league players in that were believers and then interview them and share the gospel in conjunction with the local church. That's how it started. And in God's economy now, it's just, they do a lot more than that. In fact, they hardly do that anymore. There are other ministries that are doing the baseball clinics in the big league cities. So UPI lives on, um, even though you aren't as directly involved, you retired about six months ago, eight months ago, something like that. What What are the big things now that UPI is working on? Well, about half of the staff are chaplains for major league teams. And so every Sunday, every major league team has a chapel, the home, the visitors, and the umpires. I did that with the White Sox for about five years. And uh, Mickey Weston, now the new executive director, has that uh, team. Uh, During the offseason, we take guys on missions trips, usually go 8 to 12 countries a year. They pay their own way. We work with the missionaries and uh, 
these missionaries who are like uh, foreigners at some level bring in these big name players and they all of a sudden are allowed to open up in various venues in their mission field and start churches and all that. We do, uh, in conjunction with Baseball Chapel, spring training Bible studies. Uh, we conduct all of them in Arizona, and uh, we have two or three locations. So depending on where the team are, is, they can come. And then in Florida, it's a little spread out, so we do one or two there. Um, discipleship one-on-one. A number of players now uh, towards the middle or end of their careers go to Japan or Korea, and the guys do uh, discipleship over the Internet uh, for a number of play- American players in those countries. It's really expanded. We had a military division when during the war, the, the wars uh, in Afghanistan and such, and a hunting division, Luke Hochaver, who was the closer for the Royals in 2016. The next year, his arm went out, and he joined our staff. He has he heads up a hunting division where we'll take out both former players and wounded warriors hmm. and have ministry to both. And we do discipleship uh, retreats, and then we have one big retreat every year in January in Arizona where we get anywhere from 60 to 100 uh, players and former players come in. So that's kind of an overview right now. So God is, this is way bigger than anything anyone could have dreamt. So now name drop for us a little bit. Uh Um, Drew Flam. Yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tell us a a few famous players, recognizable names that you've been able to work through um, with UPI. And I know I've been around you. You don't love the name drop thing, uh, but it's good for radio. So um, drop a couple names as just folks you've been able to work with and what that's meant to you. Well, let me just say, if any of you guys are listening, I apologize. They asked me to do this because <laughs> you're right. We don't do that. But I'm retired now. Um, boy, I'll tell you, in terms of all of our staff, our guy in Atlanta had a lot of ministry with John Smoltz. Um, Chris Singleton in Chicago, he's now on ESPN. He, in fact, he's just right spoke here. here. On the, uh, yeah, he's yeah, on the cover. right here on the cover of your book. He uh, just spoke here at an event in Warsaw. Did a nice job, I heard. Um, Paul Molitor back in the day, uh, he became the manager of the, the White Sox. I, I feel very uncomfortable talking about this because these are real people. Yeah. And that's the thing I think a lot of fans don't understand. And so when you start name dropping, it kind of, you lose your credibility because they trust you with that. Now, all of those I've spoken of are outspoken, you know, and anybody listening to this would probably have known them. Um, and their faith anyway. But there are many, many others, way more than in the beginning. Mm. Let me just put it that way. And God has really moved in the game of baseball. Baseball Chapel has been huge, another group called Pro Athletes Outreach, and hopefully UPI has had an impact. So, uh, you know, like you said, you've you've been connected um, to many major leaguers and gone all around the world doing ministry, um, but you've stayed connected here at Grace. And yeah. that has seemed to be a, a priority to you. Um, tell me why. All right. A big part of my spiritual maturity, if I'm mature, <laughs> um, I was brand new uh, in the faith when I got down here. Chet Kammer gave me an opportunity to be an assistant basketball and pitching coach. Uh, I had been released. I had been a radio announcer in uh, West Virginia and in Wisconsin. And in the context of that, the then president, Herman Hoyt, who is, I think, the second president ever, came to speak at a church I was at in West Virginia and challenged me to get my education and come to grace. 
I have to say that when I got here, uh, I loved Jesus, but I hadn't seen, uh, think about it. Everybody thinks radio is, oh, you're sitting in a room by yourself. Uh And so this pastor, Grace Brethren pastor, discipled me. But when I got here, I saw other men, and in particular athletes, that weren't ashamed of the gospel. And I'd never seen that. Uh, So it had a huge impact in my life, a number of the professors, the coaches, and it really uh, uh, became part of my DNA, if you will. And both of our daughters attended and graduated from Grace. And so I love Grace and all the things that uh, they represent. Well, maybe not all. I don't know all, but uh, the faith base and the you know, commitment to the scriptures. And you've been engaged more recently with the with the baseball team in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know sort of as an outsider looking in, it's been neat to see um, transformation on the field and off the field. Uh, tell me a little bit about just being in the locker room with the college guys again and what that has been like for you and, and what you've seen with the players. Well, that's a good plug. We need a locker room. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have one, but uh, out on the field, it's been awesome. So for uh, three or three years, maybe, I was the chaplain to the team. And I would go on the trip south, and any games I could go to, they allowed me to suit up. And I helped out a little bit with pitching and such. But uh, this past year, uh, Dr. Kadip asked me to come in to be the co-head coach. And it was awesome. You mentioned the book, and we'll get into that later. But it allowed me to revisit what some of these coaches go through, some of the life issues the young students have, and some of the spiritual questions they have. You know, it's one thing to have answers, but uh, I think we all know as we get older, sometimes it's more powerful to have a good question. And so to be able to question in, in a way that isn't offensive or shaming to the players, uh, to be able to hopefully be an encourager in the dugout. I love that. Coach Roth and I understood our roles. And I said to the very first meeting, I said, anything with two heads is a monster. And you're the voice, and I'll be in behind the scenes. And it worked great, and I'm very thankful he's now the new head coach at Grace. So it taught me a lot, and it revisited a lot of what I'd written about in the book. And uh and I, and I tried some of this stuff, too, you know, to make sure it still worked. See if it actually worked yeah, in real life. exactly. Let's talk about the book a little bit. You've written six books. Um, what made you say it's time for a book like Shepherd's Coach? Shepherd's Coach is really the only book that is my book, meaning I wrote it completely. Let me just share what I mean by that. The first book was A History of UPI. And so that was a history book. That was a lot of research. And, you know, yeah, you throw some stuff in, but you can't tell a lot of stories because of what I shared with you. These are real live people with wives and kids and all that. So that was more of a history book. In God's Sovereignty, then I met a guy named Jerry Price, who was also, by the way, a graduate of Grand Rapids Bible which is now Coverstone or Cornerstone or one of those. Coverstone was a teacher here in the 60s, (laughs) but anyway, 70s. But um, Cornerstone and uh, Grace Seminary, and he was a biblical counselor. And uh, that was a big part of my life. And so the second book is called Beyond Betrayal. And the premise of that is everybody is a betrayer and everybody has been betrayed. Well, that was Jerry's stuff, and I was kind of the interviewer. The next three books was a, were a novel that we wrote in three sections that had all of Jerry's stuff behind the characters. So when I say this is my first book of my stuff, if you will, 
these were things that over 50 years of coaching and hanging with coaches and players, um, I saw a lot of men, including myself, especially early on, that said we were Christians, but did that translate into practice and on the fields? And so I felt there was a need to revisit that with all the young coaches coming up. And a lot of times at Christian colleges, you know, you have your guys that are there a long time, and then you have your newbies that are getting a, a fresh start to be able to at least ask questions. And, and this book is a workbook. And so they have to put down their thoughts. And so that's that's what makes it a little different. That was one of the things I noticed, you know, it was interesting about the book is you, you have chapters um, and, and you have uh, content, but then you also have time for reflection and thinking. So uh, who is your target audience well, I th- yeah, I thought it was coaches, little league to big leagues. A uh, couple of reasons. The book is very large. It's not a little book. The print is very big because I was a coach and the chapters are very short <laughs> <laughs> because we've all been throwing books like, here, read this. And we go, thanks. And then it keeps a card table from being wobbly or whatever. I wanted this to be something that they would read, hopefully. And the, I guess the great, uh, a great compliment I got was from a coach right here, Jim Kessler, based on the, the format. He said, you know, you wrote this book, but when I did it, it became my book. And that's what I wanted. I wanted coaches to be able to not only do it themselves, and there are, I think, now four Christian colleges that are taking their staffs through this book to hear what the assistant coaches have to say, because it asks questions of philosophy and faith. And uh, basically, why do you do what you do and why do you do it like you do it? And so I think it, it not only becomes something, the audience being the head coach, but now he gets to let his assistant coaches have a voice. And now they blend, it builds relationship, but they also know where they're going together. Um, I personally uh, thought that was it. And then a man who the broadcast here may know, Tom Julian, an 88-year-old missionary from France, read it. And uh, he wrote an endorsement that I'm like, what in the world? And he basically said that in Ephesians, whereas there is a certain word in Greek, it means coach. And he basically said every pastor and missionary. So if any of you are listening out there, all you got to do is change the word coach, right? So I'm trying to sell them right now. But Uh, that really uh, was humbling and touched me because it opened up a whole new area. And then real quickly, third, I've had a couple business people buy him and just throw that in there. That was not my intent. Just like UPI, it was doing baseball clinics and share Christ. And God, please hear that, took it to another level. I, I gave this book to him, and if others are using it, great. But the person that I was thinking of was a Christian college coach yeah. when I wrote it. Tell me a little bit about your process, because like you said, um, as as I looked through it and read through it, it it's, it's sort of a step-by-step guide. Why do you do what you do? Um, write out your own philosophy. Talk about your leadership. I mean, it's, it's sort of the building blocks uh, for coaching. Um, talk to me about your process. Like, you know, how long did it take you to write this thing? Yeah. It was obviously 50 years in the making, but um, that's a lot of content to get down. And what did your process look like? Well, as part of UPI, actually, uh, I had gone out and spoken at various locations, colleges and such. And a uh, college in Texas, a vice president was given the president's job at East Texas Baptist University. 20 years earlier, I had spoken at the school he was at, and when he 
became president, all of a sudden I get an email, a call, a text, I can't remember, saying, hey, I'm the new president of this college. Can you come and do a seminar for all of our coaches? I'll make them all be there. And so, Drew, that's the honest uh, way this started. I had mm-hmm. to sit down and think, how would I do this? And I had videos or I don't I, guess, I don't know if you call them videos anymore. You know, I'm at a flash drive, whatever. And uh, that's how it happened. So I systemically went through, okay, how would I do this? Well, there was pretty good reviews on that from the president and his AD and the coaches. And I came home and that was it. And then my wife said, this should be a book. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it took me to the next level. I said, okay, if I were dealing with a coach, coaches, a strategic plan. At UPI, we had a couple of those where we'd bring in an outsider. So the format there is kind of like a strategic plan. What do you do? Why do you do it? All that kind of stuff. That's how the formation began. I just started writing and then praise God for editors. You know, that's the good news. And uh, now we have a book. Yeah, I'm going to apply it to my uh, current coaching career, three and four-year-old T-ball. Yes. I think it's very, it'll be good for me and improve my, uh, improve our record out there. Actually, uh, so my kids play t-ball at Pleasant View, uh-huh. which ha- has to have some kind of connection back to your time in UPI, doesn't it? I'm, yeah. I'm just in putting fact, this together right yeah, now. Mickey Weston, uh, also when he came here, that was one thing that we had probably the most uh, per capita former pro players in any one area. I mean, Little <laughs> Winona Lake, all of our staff had to come here for a year. And Mickey came for longer and at Pleasant View started that league. And so he still comes back about every year to speak at their banquet and that. So, yeah. It's it's the biggest uh, t-ball league in town and phenomenal both not only – and you can see the, the UPI strain in there just um, – both good teaching on how to play the game, but uh, it's more about who you are as a person and what's your relationship to to Christ like. Yeah. Um, so uh, you're uh, you're officially retired as of eight months ago from UPI, but still heavily heavily involved. What do you find yourself doing these days? A lot of what I used to do for no pay. that's retirement isn't it yeah Yeah. exactly uh because i enjoy people and so i uh the last couple of years with upi i wasn't traveling as much and developed more relationships in town so i emcee three or four banquets every year and that involved me with a lot of other people now i'm on intercession board i'm on that board i'm on the fellowship missions board here in town I have two or three friends we try to get together once every other week to just fellowship. For example, right now, Agatas is doing a baseball clinic, and we were asked, I was asked to bring some pro players, so I did that while I'm not doing it now. And this is the week of Agatas, and so Wade Rowden calls me. I'm in town, so we spent two hours today together. Um, You know, I do stay in touch with the staff because we're friends. There's all kinds of stuff, as you always hear, right? And I just want to continue to be more involved in the community. And if God wants this thing, meaning the shepherd coach, because I do hope and and God is providing opportunities to speak at colleges to their coaches and to the student bodies about Mm -hmm. it's really discipleship, right? Mentoring discipleship. So, yeah, praise God. I'm staying busy. I, I seriously drew wake up every day and I say, Holy Spirit, I want to be led by you to live like Jesus and bring glory to the Father surprise me in any way you want because I trust you. I want to be used, but if you want to slow me down, I'm all into it. 
and I haven't slowed down yet. <laughs> One of the things I so appreciate about you is, and you even brought it up earlier, is uh, the ability to ask the right question. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be a gift you've been given, um, that whomever you're around and whatever you're doing, um, without being um, heavy-handed, you're able to bring your faith to bear through a good question. Well, and uh, wh- where does that skill come from? I mean, has it just always been, or like, h- how did you develop that special skill of discipleship through asking good questions? Well, first of all, thank you. Um, I don't know how good I am at it, but what happened, I, I would have to guess, because these are not planned questions. I'm just getting them right now. But I, we have a baseball camp in Italy. We've done it for 20 years, and um, it's for Germans. So for them, it would be like Americans in the Midwest going to Florida. They're coming to a warmer climate. They like the food, all that stuff. Well, in the context of that, we tried to take our American faith and plant it over there, right? And so we told them all the time about what they should believe. And in droves, they stayed away from our Bible studies. (laughs) And and they loved the baseball, but they questioned. And then uh, as I read about Jesus, I thought, saw a lot of questions he asked. And so I turned it around and I said, uh, what do you think? And they would back themselves into corners basically, because I, then I would be able to ask, well, where do you get your morality from? And it's funny, Drew, about everyone and these German guys, and we're good buddies. Uh, I guess my grandma, well, where'd she get it from? Uh, I guess the Bible. Oh, okay. I was just curious, you know, that kind of a thing. And then our staff took it to the next level by the Bible studies are all about Jesus because there are so many issues that we can get off you know, track. And so about three years ago, on top of asking questions, uh, and we tried to do that every day at the camp at lunchtime, they had two questions that they had to answer. And one was just like a life question, and one was a philosophical, which of course was spiritual. Uh, they turned it around this way, and now we'll have anywhere from 10 to 40 of the campers come to Bible studies because, uh, right, everybody loves Jesus. It's the Christ part they don't always get mm. into, you know, the Messiah and all this. So um, it's really turned it around. So I'd say that was it with my friends in Germany. Um, basically, I, I remember one time I actually gave an invitation at a thing. And I did the whole back in the 80s, bow your head, close your eyes. And I'm not opposed to that. I think it's awesome. But I said, say this prayer. And I looked up and nobody was bowing their heads. And they were just staring at me. <laughs> so I stopped the prayer. I'm like, what is that all about? And they said, we feel like you're trying to sell us a car or something. <laughs> and it got my attention. Yeah. And uh, I think that for all of us as believers, it's important to care about the people not to get a notch on our belt to say, oh, they did it. Now it's exciting if they come to faith. But, um, and you saw me today with our staff here. I said, tell me your life story. That to me is the most powerful question because people then get to share who they are. And just so you know, everything in me wants to turn this around and interview you. So anyway, go ahead. That's, that's why you're that's, the that's great question answer. asker. <laughs> this is my podcast. Yes, so exactly. You, you have I've, your own. You can ask all the questions I'm there. bowing. I'm bowing. So uh, where can people get Shepherd Coach or if they want to connect with you or follow up somehow with this podcast, what's the best way to get the book and get in touch with you? Maybe not the best way, but I sell them out of the back of my truck like guys do (laughs) shrimp, you know, in Florida. But I always have a box of them in my truck, so if you see me. uh, It's on Amazon. Um, There's also a website, tomroy.net. Shepherd Coach uh, is also a place on Facebook. 
but probably either an email to me or through Amazon would be the easiest way to do that. And if you order five or more, I can get you a better deal. How's that? Oh wow! <laughs> I did order five or more, so I better uh, I better follow. Did you up order on them the off of deal. Amazon? I did. I well, did. that's your mistake. <laughs> you have to order them from me. <laughs> oh man! So that means I have to order more, right? Yes, Is that exactly. The key? Yeah, exactly. And of course, you can always find Tom on Facebook if you want to uh, just have a little funny relief every day from his uh, comic jokes. All right. So one of the things we like to do at the end, um, Coach, is rapid fire questions. As you said, you're not prepared for these, which makes it all the more fun. Um, And I got a couple questions that uh, I want to ask you and get you to answer. So uh, first rapid fire question, if you could have lunch with anyone besides Jesus, past or present, who would it be and why? Fidel Castro. Um, When I was a young kid, I used to watch baseball from Cuba. It it was actually broadcast in black and white after um, Gillette fights or something. And uh, he was always in the stands. And when I got to visit Cuba, finally, uh, I didn't get to visit him. But that was still in my mind. Man, would it be cool? So of all people, Fidel Castro. Wow. What would you you talk about at lunch with Fidel Castro? Well, I'd ask him about his beard (laughs) because it's pretty warm over there. But I would like to, personally, I'd like to just tell him about Jesus, you know, because occasionally he'd drop a church thing. Well, this is, you know, basically communism is what Jesus, no, that's not true. You know, let's just talk. Yeah. Um, and really, uh, you know, as a person thinks, that's how they act uh, and their emotions come out of their thinking. I'd like to get into his thinking. How come he did what he did and, and had that kind of a mindset? And of course, hopefully introduce him to Jesus. All right, next rapid-fire question. Um, Book you would recommend, and it can't be the Bible or one of your own. (laughs) Okay. Um, Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. Uh, Little-known book, maybe. And, I mean, there are so many, but this is rapid-fire. Had all of our staff read that, and uh, it's a really neat study in leadership going through uh, three of the kings. Uh, you'll have to buy the book. And I don't even know if Gene Edwards is alive. I don't know anything about him, but it's written in a style, especially when I first read it, that really impacted me. So I'd say that one. All right. Next rapid fire question. What are a few things you're into right now? This could be hobbies, could be a show, website, food, sports, anything that's kind of like your thing right now. My go-to place is Lambeau Field. I uh, try to get to all the games I can. I'm a big Packers fan. I've had the opportunity to speak to the team maybe 15, 20 times over the last number of years. And that was kind of not as good for me because I wanted to see these guys as superhuman, and now I know who they are. (laughs) But, uh, no, it was fine. So that would be first. I, of all things, found in the last few years I like to ice fish. And uh, most people think, oh, you're out there freezing. No, you have a shed that's heated to about 75 degrees. Getting out there is a little cold. And we have a cabin in Wisconsin, so that facilitates that. Uh, Karen and I just went on a trip. We drove out to North and South Dakota. And so I think that is something we'll do more of, hopefully. She pointed out to me, um, I was given a trip to Israel, and then she came with me. And it was the first time in our life that we ever went on anything that I wasn't working. Hmm. And yet we were there taking notes every day. You know, if you've ever been there, it's like a fire hose coming at you. So this trip out to North and South Dakota was really our first time, other than when we go to our cabin where it was just us. And we had a blast. It was fun. That's awesome. 
All right. So uh, last rapid fire question. Um, at your age, which we won't mention on air, <laughs> Coach, how do you keep that long, silky, smooth hair looking so fresh every day? Uh, don't shower. <laughs> no, I do. Uh, well, sometimes. <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know. It's just there. I see it once or twice a day. You know, I don't see it a whole lot. You got so. some good hair. I'm glad we have video on this podcast. Well, I used to have it a lot longer, as some of you know. In fact, when I came to Grace, that was a reason I got to know the dean very well. <laughs> I uh, was in his office quite a bit because really? I didn't understand the uh, prison hairdos everybody had back then in the early 70s. So, uh, yeah, for some reason, uh, it's uh, White Sox colors now, there you white and black, <laughs> little black in there, right? It's the uh, home uniform. <laughs> but I don't know how to answer that. Well, it's, it's good it's hair genes, regardless. DNA, genes. Okay, well, yeah. we'll give it to you. Yeah. But thank you for being on the podcast. This thanks, was a Bob. lot of fun. Um, thanks for sharing your heart. Thanks for the impact you've had on campus um, for years and uh, I've been witness to that the last couple years and so appreciate it. Thanks to everyone for listening to the Grace Story podcast. Our music was written and produced by Dr. Wally Brath, Assistant Professor of Worship Arts at Grace College. And thanks to our co-producers in the room, Andrew Palladino and Rick Neer. And if you can do us a huge favor and rate, comment on this podcast wherever you retrieved it from, we would be so grateful. Until next time, live your best Grace Story today.